Episode of the Banter Pub FC podcast, the sauciest team in the game and the spiciest takes on the pitch. In the pub today, we have Adam, we have John, we have Ama, we have Joseph, <laughs> and you got your El Capitan, Neil. Uh, we're going to talk about a lot of things today. Uh, we're going to talk about, uh, we're going to touch on uh, the uh, Barca elections. We're going to talk about Champions League and uh, the clubs that are out. Uh, we're going to talk about so many things. Um, we're going to, uh, but first, we're going to get things started with how, what what you know and love, and that's around the pitch. And I'd be remiss <laughs> if I didn't start things off by saying that Manchester, John, you might as well mute your mic because Here Manchester is red. Here we mute, go. Mute your mic. Manchester is red. Um, you know, simply put, uh, you know, we came into the Eddie had, we did what we had to do. Um, city was supposed to, you know, hit us with all these different attacks <laughs> and they didn't do that. If I'm not mistaken, they were on a 21 game, uh, unbeaten streak, 21 games. And you know who humbled them? The team that shares a city with them, a team that is, has always been superior to them, a team that they have been looking up to since they were in League One. I'm sorry, League Two. Um, and then they got an influx of money, and now they're all of a sudden champion, you know, they, you know, champions over and over and over again. But, that didn't, but they started from humble beginnings, and we had to do our damnedest to humble them. And we did just that. Sure. They are 11 points ahead in the table right now. It's obvious that, you know, uh, City is a club that has done uh, tremendous in transfer windows. But listen, guys, I'm going to have you all come off your mics right now and just, you know, remind folks that, you know, the, prem t- you know, the Premier League is not over. 11 points is easily eclipsable. And I'm going to remind John very quickly that, you know, 21, that number 21 is very interesting because that's, you know, Manchester United has 20, has 20 titles. So, you know, 21 is not outside of the realm of possibility. That's all I'm saying. Wow. So I'll, I'll say this. We did. Um, we got together as a family, 
the banter pub watched <laughs> we'll watch along over the weekend and we watched the united uh city match you know the battle for supremacy of manchester with with uh league implications and it was I, i'll be i'm honestly i was kind of disappointed we didn't see sergio aguero start it was it was kind of a I was expecting a little bit more from City. I think everybody was. I came into this game. I'm a, I came into this game thinking that we were going to lose, you know, four to five nil at 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 the minimum. Wow! I, and that didn't happen. Sure, City had a tremendous attack on several occasions. They missed several sitters, but that's you know common from City when. The going gets tough, and the tough gets going, and they have to put the ball in the net. They just seem to sky it. It just seems to be a recurring thing. Either it's a missed pen, or it's skying it over the net. Like, and, and yes, does it happen with every team? Sure. Sure. But City seems to be the only club where they have a consistent attack, and then when, the, and then when it matters, when it matters, they just don't get it in the back of the net. Yeah, so the the so the, here's a surprise, big big surprise for me was like uh, United scored first. They scored like I don't know in like the second minute. That's right. Within the first minute, they were like they they gave it gave it up. Like I was I was very surprised because City was playing at home. Now everybody knows we've talked about you know the empty hat and how home field doesn't really matter and how like actually. This lockdown, no fans, period, benefits City because, like, they're used to playing with no fans anyway. And, like, they're the most acclimated to, to that kind of austere atmosphere in a football ground. And that just – I think it, it showed up in this match because it's a Manchester derby. You expect to see City come out and bust heads. United are not particular like they're not in the best of situations. You know what I mean? Like, and so like I we didn't even like, field our best eleven. I think and, I think City City had come had basically overcome their defensive frailties. They stopped playing Fernandinho in a center back role, like John Stones, the original Don Dada, and Ruben Diaz have been like a remarkable pairing, and they so I expected them to hold a fort. And uh, it was a big disappointment. Like right early, I think they gave up the ghost. They gave up a <laughs> gave up a, a pen. Somebody has a the screenshot from Twitter where <laughs> where there's like six people, six six city defenders, and one United attacker, and that ended up in a penalty. Like that that was a really embarrassing situation, and the the response from city from a pep guardiola side never came where they struck back and then took control of the situation that's what i expected from this match but uh bruno fernandez bruno penandez converted the penalty in the second minute and then uh that big body bends you you like uh luke shaw <laughs> he came in five minutes in the second half and scored a the second goal, and that sealed all the scoring in this Manchester derby. 
who would have thunk? I mean, you would have thunk because immediately after that, and I know John's going to come off his mic and talk about, oh, well, you know, we bounced back against South, you know, we bounced back against Southampton and beat them 5-2 and, you know, we did what we had to do. And you know what? All the players that should have shown up and should have scored against Manchester United didn't do a fucking thing. But they, but they showed up against Southampton. So, so, so you mean to tell me that Ali Gunnar Solskjaer, who seems to always, first of all, he's undefeated against Pep. Let's say that. What first. is that yes. true? Yes, it is. Is that yes, a real is. stat? I got to look that up. That doesn't. It's a sound real stat. Real. Look it up. That's he's impossible. Also, he's also undefeated against Manchester City in general. Look that up too. That is impossible. So we're talking about, uh, you know, and, you know, John, I'm waiting for you to, you know, defend your manager. I'm waiting for you to defend your club. I'm waiting for everybody to, you know, speak on this because, you know, I was, I was anticipating, like I said before, I was anticipating a back and forth, typical Manchester Derby where, there was going to be several yellow cards, possibly a player sent off, several injuries, um, back and forth, like, uh, you know, leads coming and going. Like, that's what, and that's not shout out to Leeds United because fuck you, Leeds United. But <laughs> I, that's what I was expecting. That's not what we saw. And that's not what we saw. That's definitely not what we saw. I'm, I, I'm glad I got to witness it with you guys as family because like if i talked about this match outside of the context nobody would uh, outside of that context nobody would get why it was so um surprising right manchester city ahead by double digits in points in the league manchester derby at home where they have the advantage where they have the impetus like uh it's built for pep guardiola to like just sprinkle his sauce over that squad and have them deliver. I was really expecting Sergio Aguero, one of my favorite players in the Premier League, to perform. And, you know, he chose not to start him. Gabriel Jesus did nothing. You know, the quote-unquote Turkish Zizou came up blanks. The reincarnation of Tony Adams yeah, hapless, <laughs> hapless, hapless in the city squad. I, I I was very disappointed with this overall fixture because I expected City to counterpunch at some point, and I they just to, didn't deliver. I, the, like I keep on saying, I I think every United supporter with common sense expected City to dominate the Derby because the way that City had been playing up until that point you expected City to hold the fort. And we, you know, we scored early and then we scored again, like you talked about, you know, in the, you know, to start the second half. And Luke Shaw scored. And that, exactly, Luke Shaw scored. That and, big body bands high. And there were, and there were several, and, 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 and this is not to, again, this is not to discount City's attack because if you, Look at the stats of the match. City had several, several shots on target. Um, it just goes to show you that Dean Henderson 
you know, did what he had to do. And there, and there was uh, an opportunity that I'm glad I'm glad Ederson didn't make the mistake he made in a more recent derby where he almost cleared and he, you know, he cleared the ball right to Scott McCombinate and it ended up in the back of the net. But, you know, um, <laughs> are, are you really glad or I mean, hey, being, listen, you're listen, you're just being nice. I mean, I'd love to hear from everybody else, you know, because I could talk about this derby, you know, for the entire episode. But, you know, we don't we don't need to have that happen. Um, I'm a humble host, unlike others. Um, Whoa. And Whoa. I'm going to, you know, do the best I can to press forward and not, like, stay stuck, you know, because... So Man said he's a humble host, and he referred to himself at the top of this episode, calling himself El Capitan. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> is it Uchi Wally or is it one mic? Is it Uchi Wally or is it one motherfucking mic? Because I don't even know. Anyway, listen, as far as I'm concerned, the only thing that I have to say about City is... To the man that had the absolute temerity, the utter gall, the disrespect to refer to John Stones as the new Tony Adams, the real Tony Adams would not have let those goals scored. That's all I know. So you can hold that and hold that L. Yeah. It's true. It's true. You know, it happens to the best of them, I guess. You know, focused on that big match midweek with Southampton. Take your eye off the ball. And, um... Uh, didn't defend home, but <laughs> it's curious to see. I mean, I agree with what uh, folks have said so far. I expected a bit more out of Man City, uh, more lively match, more of a um, fighting appeal, but I guess it just wasn't in him today. Um, it's curious. It's I mean, it's a big win for um, uh, Manchester United as well. Um, I think it keeps... Uh, tries to keep everybody honest that, you know, this isn't, while we've definitely spoken about the fact that we think Manchester City is the likely champion, it doesn't mean that, um, they do end up with it. Um, we see what will happen. Um, you know, obviously Manchester City, I know, played another game this week, I think, to get ahead of things, um, with their League Cup final, um, coming up, but, um, it just puts them on notice and makes them have to keep it up. And Manchester United keeps them honest and um, continues. I mean, that was like, what was it, four straight clean sheets for Man U? So I can't deny, like, as much as we uh, decry Slabhead on the show, like, they've actually shown out the last couple of weeks. So definitely a great performance from them on this one. Well, I'll say this. Slabhead did not come through in the Europa League. Um, I'll say that for starters. Um, First of all, about the fucking Manchester Derby. No, no, yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. <laughs> well, first, I first, about the yes. When I say about checking the goalpost, am I a prophet or what? Like this is it literally fell right into that trap, bro. We're talking about Premier League right now. We're talking about the Manchester Derby. Man wants to mention the Europa League result from today. I'm gonna talk about well. When we were talking about the Premier League last week, y'all only thing y'all brought up was Europa League. So let's start with that. Uh, well, let's end up with that. Uh, first of all, we're still we're 14 points up. We bounce yes, back, yeah. so yeah. Uh, we, we good. Secondly, it's a derby, so derbies can go either way. And yes, it's true. We've never we've never defeated Ole. That's right. Um, it's okay. We we still won the league regardless of that. And the I'm, league's I'm not over. It's I'm, I'm, I'm saying. <laughs> We won the league regardless. 
in in recent history, we've done it without um uh without how, the fact. How how have you not defeated Ole? That just that that stat is the most boggling <laughs> part for me. I mean because, because you because you know Ole is straight vibes and <laughs> no and, defense, no attack, just vibes. It's just vibes. It's like yo, I'm gonna put out this eleven. I'm gonna put out this eleven, and y'all, man, you're like, hey, it's on y'all, man. Like, go, go ahead and make it happen. And 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 I I, I don't understand it because Pep is lauded as this tactical genius, lauded as this you know man manager motivation motivational like savant, and. Um, how 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 have you not been Ollie at the wheel? Well, you know it's true that he is. Pep does have all his glory. the 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 downturn is that he he overthinks a lot, and I don't know what it is with Ole. Maybe it's you know the fact that he's you a know, superior manager. Clearly, oh, a superior manager wins things, and he hasn't won anything yet. So we'll start with that. Who, who has the winningest record over who? He has not won anything. As a, how, how many titles? How many titles as a manager does Ole's uh, Gunner Solskjaer have? It does, who has the winningest record over who? Who has it? It, who, it doesn't matter. It, we, it, it does matter. Who what, has what, does that mean, what does that mean? What does that mean if you don't have silverware? It does matter because your manager is a is a tactician and a and and is a genius when it comes to crafting a eleven. There, there have been several documentaries and several conversations about about this man in particular being a tactical genius, right? And right. a guy who is a player's manager in Ali Gunnar Solskjaer. Um, I will admit... Which is equal to, like, a hapless tactician. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, straight up. Straight up. I mean, everybody's already said it's really, you know, vibes. Just vibes. So, but but that's okay because you know if if we were going to talk about uh, manager versus manager, uh, Whiskey Nose has never beaten Pep Guardiola. So, and he's the winningest manager of all time. So, what does how, that say? How many about, times did they meet up? How many times did they meet up? They met up two times. Okay. When okay. when when it counted in a final and lost. Humiliated both times. What, what was the first one? What was the first one? Uh, uh, United versus Barcelona, Champions League final. Yeah. No, it wasn't even City. Yeah. Oh, no, 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 no. We talking about, we talking about managers right now. Talking about managers. <laughs> talking about managers. Right. No, 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 no. Both were Barcelona. Both, both were Barcelona. They were not. It was never United City, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Knows that he had retired at that point. Of course, of course. I'm not, that, 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 I mean, I guess that's my point. It was like Barcelona. It's Barcelona with Messi, Iniesta, PK, all these men, Xavi, in the peak of their powers. Of course, you're gonna be United. Like, uh, but no, no doubt about it. Like, it's I, probably I, worth I, mentioning, though, Ama. It's probably worth mentioning that if you have a front line of Samuel Eto, Lionel Messi. And Thierry Henry, plus PK in his prime, um, Iniesta in his prime, Xavi in his prime, 
Mm-hmm. Um, there is an argument that can be made for Pep Guardiola. I think his tactics speak for himself as a tactician. I think he's brilliant, but he hasn't actually managed. He hasn't actually managed at a club where he's raised them from the ground up. Barcelona. Mm-hmm. He was a legend there. He became a legend and then became a manager. He basically did what Frank Lampard thought he could do. Okay. Next job, Bayern Munich. Not really short on resources or talent there either. Next job after that, Manchester City. There is an argument that can be made. You can't even compare him to Sir Alex Ferguson. Sir Alex Ferguson got started at Aberdeen. Aberdeen were absolutely not in the running for anything. And he took them from nothing to glory. European glory on top time of out. that. Time out on that. because yo, yo, the homie... The homie is an Aberdeen fan, so like, yeah. Whatever you're about to say, don't slander Aberdeen. I'm not slandering Aberdeen. I'm what I'm saying is that those same players came in third place in La Liga, which third place is, you know, you might as well be trash at that point in La Liga. And he brought them to actually the prominence that they are that they were today. Actually, when you think about Barcelona, you think about it because of Pep. Same thing with Manchester City. Manchester City, we were third place. Um, wow, we ju- we just going to paper over Johan Cruyff? We, we just going to paper over no, the people? No, we, we, talking about, we talking about right now. When we think about Barcelona right now, we're thinking about... When you think about Barcelona right now, we think about what they, you know... Uh, okay, we're we uh, going to talk about Barcelona uh, right now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let's, let's leave them when, when the Barca, Barca turns a little bit later. Thanks, great. Appreciate it. <laughs> but point being, point being is this. We... Speaking of uh, coming back, 11 points is okay. The only team that's ever come back from a deficit that, that big has been Manchester United, which was like 20 years ago. We've come who, back who? from who Manchester back? United. Manchester United. Okay. All right. Who's in who's who's second place right now? Manchester United. Thank but you. I'm just saying. The point being is that, you know, we had as big of a lead before uh, under, you know, the Moo era. And we still won the title. We came back from 10 points against Liverpool. Still won the title. We came back from eight points with like five matches to go against Manchester United. Yep. And we won. Yeah, don't remind me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so point That's being is, a- I, I, we lost in the derby. We lost. <laughs> we lost in the derby. I give, I give United credit for that. No, it ain't no hate for me. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy that y'all have a chance to, to roast. I appreciate it because, you know, niggas have been waiting less time for the stimulus check than time Manchester Ooh. City has won a match. Uh, last time Manchester City lost a match. So I understand. I understand where the smoke's coming from. I think you're about half right. Yes, I would agree with you that, yes, niggas have been waiting on the stimulus check less time, but not for the fact for City to lose. Oh, no. No, niggas have been waiting on the stimulus check. Niggas have been waiting on the stimulus less time for, than for us to collectively roast your ass live on air. That's what we've been waiting on. <laughs> and, you know, at the end of the season, it, you know, obviously City has the best chance to win the title, and as long as it's any club but Leeds and Liverpool, you know, <laughs> I, I, I will be, con- I, you know, obviously my hate for City is strong, but 
we still share a city. It's still, and Jonathan, you and I have had this conversation many years in a row. The, you know, the Mancurian pride is above all the strongest thing. And we have several North London supporters who are uh, a part of this podcast as well. And they don't get to be a part of that conversation. It's, you know, <laughs> the, the Mancurian pride is just between us at the end of the day. And like, that's what rings true. But, you know, as we look forward to the rest of the season, there's still a lot of games to play. And I'd be remiss if I, you know, we've got to press on to the other leagues in Europe, um, starting with Ligue 1. And there really wasn't any change in the table too significant. However, um, Lille is still two points ahead of PSG. Um, PSG is coming off, and we'll get to that in a moment, uh, a very significant uh, Champions League uh, completion into the next round. Um, but I'm going to be honest, y'all. Like um, This is still Lille's uh, championship to, at this point, they, they, are, they are certainly in the driver's seat. Um, and I mean, I'm curious how, I mean, obviously we have several, I think we have one or two Leo supporters in our discord community. Um, we have several Marseille and obviously several Leon, which is awesome, but <laughs> including myself, um, PSG is a club that is always in the conversation, has always been in the conversation for at the top of the table. Every other league in Europe has kind of said, oh, well, you know, the French League, Ligue 1 is the Farmers League just because PSG has been dominating for such a long time. And we've talked about it, we've talked about it for several weeks now. Lille being at the top of the table should not be a surprise for those of you who have seen these other clubs, Lille, Lyon, Monaco, uh, Marseille, build while PSG has just kind of plucked the best of the best and kind of just stuck there and just kind of not necessarily built for depth, but just kind of plucked the best. Um, and yeah, I mean, Lille is Lille being at the top of the table. Doesn't surprise me. Ama, what are your thoughts? Yeah. Well, so they, so the biggest thing about Lille for me, my self-interest is that Lille is where um, Timothy Weah is, and um, he's doing all right. He scored, I think, uh, last I checked, it was like he scored five goals for Lille so far, and and that's decent. Um, as the next American hope and a man of the diaspora, I will continue to keep tabs on him. Um, and I, I honestly, I hope that they hang on to this narrow lead and keep supremacy from PSG through the rest of the season. Um, I, it's going to be a difficult um, task to complete, but they have a decent squad. They have a relatively stable uh, rotation and have been making decent headway so far. Um, I hope the goals keep coming. The Haji, um, keeps playing uh, Yilmaz, 
Jonathan David continue scoring goals, but Canadian like Yo- Yomaz with the Yomaz with the goals though. Like I don't know who the top scorer is, but like uh Borak Yomaz, I know for a fact that when I've watched, he's been the guy who's been putting them in. Um and I don't watch that much Lully uh La Liga, but when I do and I watch Leo, um, I expect goals from him and Timothy Ware. Um, yeah, that's that's my take on that. We all know what PSG is doing. We know we know what we expect PSG to do. But um, my hope is that Leo holds them off, continues to hold them off. Been doing a great job so far. Keep it up. And like I said last week, any club but Jacquees is bound to prosper. Bound oh, to my God. Christ. Jesus. Oh, right. Yes. Disrespect. This man just doesn't rest. It. I don't understand. Listen. There's no rest. no rest for the wicked. No just rest. absolutely none. Like, he's just back here, out here, just slandering, man. Jacquees, you know. You're like, Damn. come on now. Anyway, on the legal topic. I'm tired of people calling it a farmer's league like it hasn't had legends like Ronaldo. Uh, Michel Platini, um, Raymond Culper, uh, 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 who, who else am I thinking of? Zinedine Zidane, where he first got his start. Juninho Pernambucano. Hello? Like the J. guy J. that. Ococha, JJ Ococha. JJ Ococha, Thierry Didier Drogba, um, like Schistinel. Like, how dare you call it a farmer's league when so many brilliant players have come through that league? Or they go to that league after they play in another one. Namely the Premier League. Or the Bundesliga. Or La Liga. Or Serie A for that matter. It's a brilliant league. They have... Look, and as far as I'm concerned, you can call it a Farmers League as much as you like. But absolutely nobody, and I do mean nobody, in any other domestic league anywhere in the world that I can think of, has won their domestic title seven times in a row. Shout out to Olympique Lyonnais. You understand? When you man can do that in your own league, chat to me. You understand? As far as I'm concerned, all things relative, League Un deserves a shit ton of respect put on its name. And that Leo are outstripping that of a side that has more money than God. They have Kylian Mbappe. They have, I mean, they've, they've got tons of players, but Kylian Mbappe is absolutely their best player. I, I don't think there'll be any argument there. Like, give these, give these people their props. How dare you call it a farmer's league when Lyon are topping it and everybody automatically assumes that PSG will walk it? I'm sorry, but, I mean, Ligon has been, like, one of the best leagues to watch for decades now. They deserve their place to be amongst the best European leagues. So put some respect on their name. No more of this Farmers League nonsense. Apart from anything else, a French club made the Champions League final last season. I didn't see any Premier League clubs in the Champions League final last season. Oh. Okay. So. Let's just go ahead and keep a lid on this whole Premier League supremacy nonsense. You might think it's the best league in the world, and you're more than entitled to think that. But objectively speaking, mm, let's relax a little bit. It's, yeah, and I mean, to that point, 
it's like this if you if you haven't been watching League Gone, this is the this is the week to do it because this is a ama- this is honestly a huge week for Leal. Leal is only up I mean, they're up two points, which a lot of just as people pointed out, people might not have expected them to be in this place, but they are. And then they've got this match. They're going to Monaco. And if anybody has in recent years challenged PSG the most, it's probably been Monaco. Um, that's the pl- that's the place people are most familiar with for producing a lot of the talent that's made it to the quote unquote bigger leagues later on. Um, and then this is honestly a make or break week for Lille to watch as well because they do have a round of sixteen match in the French Cup against PSG. And while you can say it doesn't matter, like it's definitely a pride thing if they can knock out PSG there um, and keep it going. Obviously. If they even draw a point, they are going to Monaco. Like, that's not an easy place to play. Monaco is still in fourth, still trying to challenge um, to push as far up. Like, when we talk about Lyon, you know, we're focusing on Lille and PSG. But also, let's look at Lyon in the race. Like, it's not, like, a given because everybody's right there. Lyon, it's, remember, 62 for Lille right now, 60 for PSG. 59 for Lyon. Like, everybody's there. Monaco's at 55. So, it's still, like... These matches still all count. They're all worth watching. These guys are all playing top-notch football. Um, this is definitely the time to watch if you haven't picked up on it to catch up on what is probably the most underrated league in Europe right now. And with that, you know, uh, I think we should move hastily along uh, from France to uh, Italy and remind everybody that. You know, Inter is still <laughs> at the top of the table. Several weeks ago, uh, Joseph proclaimed that, you know, Inter should be crowned champs. And despite the fact that I am a avid uh, Inter supporter, I, I didn't want to just crown them. They have lost points between the time that <laughs> Joseph temporarily crowned them till uh, this upcoming week, and that's not to discount them, but that is to say that this is a, that this is a club that has uh, success um, at their disposal. Um, and, you know, every other club in Italy seems to be slipping while um, Inter is steadily, cl- while, while, you know, Inter is staying in the... Uh, top of the table. Um, and, uh, you know, I am just really elated um, uh, at the success of uh, Inter. Um, obviously, you know, um, I could talk at, at, at nauseum about the success of Inter, but I'm not going to do that. Is, does anyone else have anything to add as far as the, as far as the, uh, Serie A's concern before we uh, move on to La Liga and as the Barca turns? I mean, once again, why must everybody boo me when you know I'm right? I told you. They're not going to get caught. Like, the point gap, the, the, the points gap is what now? 62, AC Milan have 56. Um, Juventus have a game in hand, but they're on 52 points. Um, Roma on 50 following uh, them is Atlanta Atalanta on um I was about to say Atlanta Jesus uh, Atalanta <laughs> um yeah don't make that mistake boy um 
49 points. Napoli is two points outside um, of that for the last, um, what looks like the last Europa League place. Um, and nobody cares about Nazio and so on and so forth. So, like, it's just like, there's, there's just no catching them. I look at, um, I'm, I'm looking at um, Inter's last results and going through. They've won their last five um, in the league. I don't know when's the last time they even lost a league match, to tell you the truth. They haven't had to because they, you know, they only have, <laughs> as Amo pointed out several weeks ago, uh, they have nothing else to play for. Um, so they only have the league to play for. So, you know, this is it. So yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I just again another another side that just another side, and while the league doesn't get disrespected, uh, uh, any any like the unlike league one does, I will say that Inter is a side that definitely needs a lot of respect put on its name. Do you know what I mean? Um, you know, people were castigating them as a as a as a band of Premier League rejects. Um, I didn't know like three or four players from the Premier League constitutes the whole side of being Premier League rejects, but there we are. Um, so, like, it, it, it's, it's, it's time for the hyperbole to stop there. You need to put some respect on Inter's name. This is a side that will be in Europe next season, and you should fear them <laughs> because they're playing sensational stuff. They really are. Like, Antonio Conte's got a great system in, and they'll have the summer to invest in new players if they want to. I don't really feel like they need to. It's a healthy friggin' side that they've got there. Um, and we'll see who joins them. But if they add to their ranks, yes, you should be taking Inter Milan extremely seriously. But I do want to say that this has to be calmer, certainly when you consider that Juventus got knocked out of the Champions League. You know what I'm saying? Big man like Ray Naldo was out here putting his best performance in a federal court in Las Vegas. Certainly not in the Champions League, it appears. So it's just like, you know, but that's what you man get for unfurling that banner and singing those chants to Mario Balotelli all these years ago. Mm-hmm. That's what you get. That's what you get. No such thing as a black Italian. Well, now you have a black Belgian to fear who speaks fluent Italian, actually. So, Hope it was worth it, all that racismo, because I don't see Juventus challenging for shit for a while now. So, I, and, and it's, it's time that Inter actually rose to prominence again. And, you know, right on time. Man like Romelu Lukaku absolutely has to win every single individual player award in the league this season. He has been dynamite, and I really, really, really am pleased that Inter are where they are, because while I don't have an Italian team to speak of, maybe outside of Palermo, because, you know, drippy aside in the league, but there, there we are. Uh, and I, I just I feel quite strongly that this this is more than just Inter just dominating the league. This is karmic retribution. And I, I'm pretty sure that Inter Milan supporters will be flooding the streets, assuming all is well in terms of vaccination rates and, you know, all them type of thing there. But for now... Um. Yeah, they are champions elect. I said it beforehand, and we and you know, man like yeah. Armour tried to temper that down, but yeah, now, yeah, yeah, I I did, I did because you're because you're, 
you know, it felt a little early and things were a little tighter. As things have played out over the the past, say, three, four weeks, um, Inter have solidified their hold. They're six points ahead. And um, they're doing the thing, right? Like, they've been out of Europe, so they're ready. They're focused. They've got Coppa Italia and they've got uh, the league, the Scudetto, to fight for. And um, they're six points ahead of Milan. I like what they've done. You know what I'm saying? Like they, every time we watch them, we uh, I think we've two of the last three watch-alongs we've watched Inter Milan, and they've been fantastic. Uh, Romelu Lukaku has been dominant, and I, I feel like you know we need to give this man his laurels for for a a we're making the switch, and then leaning into it. With in in a way that you know cements himself, you know as one of the elite strikers in the world today. I don't know who's doing it better, like as a as a number nine, like he's he's out there. I, I don't know who's performing better as a number nine in the league, in any of the top four leagues in Europe today, but, uh, aside from Romelu Lukaku. Um, he he brings in his wingers. Um, his hold up play is great. His first touch, which has been slighted on social media, is is actually pretty freaking good if you watch the matches. Right? And um I I feel privileged, honestly, to if you watch the message and if you watch the matches instead of thirsting over him like some other podcasts tend to do. Yikes. Oh yeah. It's a they football thing only. I'm on my football thing right now. And, and, and <laughs> Robert Lukaku. <laughs> I have to say, listen, has been on the neck for at least three weeks now. Like, it's just been absolutely brilliant to watch. But still, he has a point. Like, he's more than just a first icon. You know what I mean? And I can say that as the resident queer man here. Yes, Romelu Lukaku is absolutely gorgeous. But please put some respect on his actual game. Do you know what I mean? He's more than just for you to, you know, have a wank to, if you like. You know, look no, you're at, right. You know, look, look, look at look, look at what he does on the pitch. That should be the first thing that should be impressive. You understand? The only, the, yeah, the only man that could play in Jinko jeans on the pitch, man. That's incredible. Wow. But, uh, wow. <laughs> wow. wow. You, that man's always choosing. I love Romelu. I love him a lot. My only criticism is that he's playing for Belgium and not Congo. But, you know, outside of that, yeah. Mr. Jinko yeah, Jean's yeah. ball. All right, that's fair. That's, that's fair. That's fair. That's we, fair. We see, we see you. We see you on that one. But, like, as far as goals in the league, 18 in 25, um, as opposed to. Cristiano Ronaldo, Ronaldo, 20 goals in 22. Like, and he has, he can easily make that up. But I also think that we are observing kind of the, a shift in the, the power structure of the uh, Serie A. Um, it's obvious to me that Ju- Juve is not going to win the Scudetto this year, right? For the first time in God knows how long. And I'm happy that it will be Romelu Lukaku. It will be this squad with Lautaro. Um, 
lifting the Scudetto. I'm I'm certain that that's going to be the final outcome. But I will say that 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 Romelu Lukaku deserves um, some glory given the amount of of scathing attacks he endured when he wore the Manchester United jersey. Y'all did not deserve him, and I'm glad he's flourishing. And <laughs> in a, in the black and blue. Man, England. Uh, yeah. Sorry, well, real quick, I was just gonna say, like England didn't deserve him because let's remember he was uh, a Chelsea cast off as well first before he, before he started to you know develop at Everton and got Mandy calling and then and just, just, before that it just was right. It just wasn't like the 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 UK just wasn't right for him. So <laughs> he's no, back I mean, on the like, continent. No, he, he was great. He was great he was great, Everton. but it's just like they didn't love Everton. him enough. So let him flourish was, elsewhere. That's all I'm saying. Like I'm happy he was for great him too. At Everton. They had Yannick Velasi. They were they were doing things right. Like Everton looked good. He scored tons of goals for Everton, right? But the problem is when he went to to Manchester United, and they were. He went to Manchester United at the wrong time, right? They had not settled. They didn't, and even now, I I would argue that's not the destination for you as a promising black player, simply because of the the lack of, you know, it's it's basically vibes. You're on your own, right? It's like how much chemistry can you develop with the players you're playing with, and pray that you get to be on the match day squad. With the guys you have a good you have good chemistry with and, and can deliver a result like you know sometimes it's a goalkeeping error sometimes it's it's your center backs sometimes it's a failure of, of your dm like like unfortunately like united is not the finished article they have a lot of potential they have so many wonderful players but the the it's i, I feel like his time at united was it's almost a waste uh, of a couple of seasons because he was dominant for Everton before he moved to United. And I'm glad he still has gas in the tank to dominate Serie A before it's all hung up for him. And with that, oh, Adam, do you have anything else to add before we talk about your uh, Barcelona? Oh, yeah. Before we move on to the our lovely weekly segment as the Barca turns, like I just want to say, right, Inter, it, it's kind of a foregone conclusion. This last match, like we got to give credit specifically to this last match because this is the one that you would have pointed to. Maybe you drop points. Atalanta is a good team. You never know what they can pull out firepower wise, but they handled them one nothing. No, no, you know they did what they had to do. You can't really see many other places in the schedule that you think that they're going to drop points. And again, they're out of all the other competitions. They're resting regularly. Like, yeah, I just can't see it for anybody else catching them up. And yo, Juventus not potentially like ending the season without a trophy. What a time to be alive. That's Man, I gotta say, I only have I only have one more thing to add as well. Um, contrary to popular belief, there is a country for old men. Uh, no disrespect to the Coen brothers. Uh, excellent film, but there is a country for old men. It's Allianz Stadium in Turin, Italy. <laughs> oh man! I mean, hey, there you go. Um, it's where they put old ladies to bed too. Anyway, um, 
moving on, uh, let's get into our weekly segment of we're going to talk about the La Liga table, but more importantly, Adam, we're going to talk about as you know, it's our it seems to be our weekly segment now that we're going to have music for. I think this week, so look out for that. But um, as the Barca turns, uh, Barca had their elections today, uh, and you know, I'm curious, Adam, as the resident. I don't. I don't want to just pin this on you because I feel bad. But <laughs> I mean, we don't want to talk about the league table. Because, yes, despite the fact that uh, Atletico Madrid did drop points, so Barcelona is catching up. But they also had elections, and I think the elections and some of the stuff that was happening behind the scenes and with everything else going on in the club is, frankly, more important. So, can you give us some back? Can you give our listeners some background on? What happened? Who was elected? How it affects the club? What your thoughts are? Certainly, and big shout out to probably the only bright spot in Barca life right now. I have to start about that before I digress about the Barcelona women handing um, five nothing defeat away in the Women's Champion League big of the week, totally running the La Liga fem- feminine table. But anyway, moving on to the real thing, um, uh, we did get to elect a new president, or a former president again, Laporta, who has promised that, you know, if he was elected, that was like the only way Lionel Messi would stay. Um, He was out there greeting the players as they went to Paris this week, looking all presidential and great. It's almost like the transition of, uh, from 45 to Biden, like, that's just, you know, that warm feeling, the emphasizer-in-chief they supposedly call Biden now. Whatever. But, (laughs) so we're dealing with that, but at the same time, we're still dealing with the fact that last week we had people in Barca offices arresting Bartomeu, the former president, who was then released, but then this week finding out that potentially part of the reason when they dug into the money issues and uh, the corrupt payments to a marketing firm that potentially was funneling into... um, anti-Catalan independence movements. If you don't know about Barcelona, they are in the Catalonia region of Spain, uh, northeast part of Spain, where um, they do speak a uh, different language even. And a lot of people in that section in Catalonia have been fighting for independence from Spain for years. Um, They have tried to at least, you know, there's uh, basically, you know, in their own legislature within the state of Catalonia, um, tried to push pro-independence. That's a part of the Barcelona history, is their ties to being Catalonian um, and moving forward. And the fact that there was actually potentially money coming from the club, paying um, different groups that are basically trying to keep uh, Catalonia in line with Madrid and the government in Spain and basically their motto being better together, just saying that independence just doesn't serve the region well. Um, It's insane that money from FC Barcelona could be going towards something that goes against anything that Barcelona honestly stands for, at least historically. Can't speak to all the corrupt people that are running the board that have basically run the team into the ground uh, after all these years. Like, six years ago, winning like six trophies in a year, top of Champions League to maybe we might get a catch up to Atletico Madrid this year. Just bounced out of the round of 16 against PSG after an embarrassing loss at the Camp Nou. 
uh, 4-1 uh, against, you know, um, Mbappe and basically like not even the best PSG team just came in and ran all over us. Like after an embarrassing loss to Bayern Munich in the Champions League semifinals in 2020. So this is Barca. This is what we got now. It's impossible. I can't like even when like the little bits of sunshine that you get like Sunday was great. And then it's like, oh, but there's the rest of the week. Like, I was actually proud of the team for managing a 1-1 draw against PSG at their home. I thought it would be worse and more embarrassing, so pyrrhic victory, I guess. But, um, yeah, that's just the state of Barcelona right now. Hoping that Atletico, you know, maybe gets distracted with their Champions League play and drops points in La Liga and we can continue to do well where we have been recently um, and get on the upswing and hope for the best like that's not supposed to be Barcelona where it's, just, it's supposed to be us in Real every year and getting to at least the Champions League semifinal that is like the standard and yeah we're not going to meet that this year which is impossible and to have all this other shit around it is just yeah just purely icing on a shit cake so it's great so thanks for letting me speak on that <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome yeah. Joseph yeah. Previously on Are You Being Barcelona? Um, what I would say is, I would give I would give Barcelona some credit because I don't want to seem like I'm just bagging on Barcelona every week. Um, that goal that Lionel Messi scored in the Champions League, fire! That was an absolutely fire. Um, that was an absolutely fire. Uh, goal. It was. It was well taken. I mean, it was a consolation in the grand scheme of things because they got absolutely humped. But um, I would, uh, I would say that uh, you know, when it when it comes to Barcelona's problems, we do have to talk about the fact that they were indeed found. At least there's evidence to suggest that Barcelona have been giving funds to anti-Catalan independence movements. Um, that is a problem. You know, it's just. Uh, it's just a, it's just a sense of this club is a mess still, um, and I think when we talk about Lionel Messi, um, we have to once again raise the question: Should they have just cut their losses and sold him uh, when they when you know the opportunity was there in the summer? Because it seems like they're just keeping him for keeping him sake. They haven't really built around him um, with the with the, you know a new crop of talent and things of that nature, um, and it's just it's 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 just it's just it's 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 wild what's what what this is what this club is uh, is going through at the moment. But every period of dominance must come to an end, and I think we're seeing that with Barcelona. John, did you have something to add? Um, I think the only thing I have to add is well, well, I didn't know how close the Liga race was last week, so yeah, it was closer than I thought. But if if they lose to to if Aladdin loses to Ekiatafe, uh, I don't know, I don't know what's going to happen. Um, that's going to be wild. But that's all I had to say. I mean, right now it's six points, right? Um, and yeah, that's small enough for things to happen. Uh, between so six points between Atletico and Madrid and Barcelona, but like 
Madrid is two points behind Barcelona. And so like this is this is that crunch time, right? In La Liga where Real Madrid still you know, steam rolls everybody and like makes it to the final. Make makes it to the to the end of the season. Where where very few matches from that point, like, you know, like whatever, twelve game weeks between now and then. A lot of stuff can happen when the when the margin is that narrow. Um, however, uh, Barcelona have the best uh, league form, even though Atleti have you know they're in the driver's seat with six, with the six point gap. <clears throat> my my hope is that <clears throat> my hope is that we see competitive matches all the way through. And with that. You know, I think we should uh, move on to, uh, uh, you know, wrap up around the pitch with uh, a check-in on the Bundesliga table. Um, <laughs> um, Der Klassiker happened, and uh, it went the way that I think the, how the league is going, I guess I should say. Uh, Bayern came out on top. Um, and... Uh, I mean, there's really not anything more I can say about it, uh, about Der Klassiker, about um, the Bundesliga table. Unfortunately, the Bundesliga table or the Bundesliga is also not a farmer's league either. Um, it's not, but it's also not the cream of the crop in Europe. Um, Bayern certainly is. They are the defending UCL Champions League champions, um, and they're well on their way to go back to, um, uh, and uh, to potentially uh, repeat. Um, and, you know, they are far and away the best team in Germany. Um, and they, you know, as of uh, some transfer business that happened uh, after the window had closed, um, they added to... Uh, their defense. Um, Jordi Alba is leaving uh, in the summer, and they added RB Leipzig's uh, young talent. So, um, you know, uh, they're just a club that is on the rise. Um, and yeah, uh, is there anything else anybody has to say before we talk about the Champions League? About, the, about, the, about their classic card? I mean, only thing I gotta say is again, Bayern is stacked. Shout out Cash Doll. So it, it's it's gonna be interesting. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting run up. Really, really, bro. <laughs> <laughs> it's real. It's real. Life. This is the this is the time. Like you're saying about Real Madrid. This is the time where Bayern is they're they're turning up right now. And yeah, I, I mean. They did. They like they they took it from Leipzig, right? Like this was a a handover, right? Like this was almost like a relay race right here, where Leipzig just like, oh, you know what? You 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 right. You're the big brother. I I was very disappointed with this past <laughs> game, with match, match day twenty five in the Bundesliga, where where RB Leipzig ceded the league to Bayern Munich. Like, come on, bro! Like, fight for this. I was disappointed overall, and that, that's pretty much my over, my feeling. 
Dortmund drop more points. You know, it's 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 just nah. Like it's hold hold on. I don't know if Neil said this, but it's it's Bayern, Leipzig, Wolfsburg, Frankfurt, Leverkusen, then Dortmund, and then Union Berlin, and then like Freiburg. Like what what are we talking about? The top eight in the Bundesliga looks like that. And um yeah, I'm disappointed. And 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 Bayern is up by two points. Uh, I'm um yeah. I was hoping that this year would be a little bit different, be more pressure on Bayern, blah 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 blah. But that's not happening. Leipzig let me down this past week and I'm I'm disappointed. I um wanna further on that with the whole uh with the way that the Bundesliga table looks. <clears throat> Right now, Bayern are on top with 55 points. Leipzig are two points behind. Wolfsburg on 45 points with Eintracht Frankfurt right behind them on two points. And Leverkusen, uh, sorry, on, not on two points, but two points behind, excuse me, uh, on 43 points. And then Leverkusen are three points behind them on 40. Dortmund have 39 points this season. 12 wins, three draws, nine losses. Like their last five is a bit dodgy. Two losses, two wins, and a draw. Um, as far as I'm, as far as I'm concerned, this has to be considered a abject failure for Dortmund. They may still be in with a shout um, of winning the Champions League, but they had to squeak by a Sevilla side five four on aggregate. The second leg finished on a draw, so it's just. Questions need to be asked about Dortmund. Questions need to be asked about whether or not they are missing something. Questions need to be asked about whether or not their tactical setup is really going to do it for them going forward. It's it's not looking great for for your boys and Ipswich uh, uh, Dortmund in, in in the league. And the fact that Union Berlin are only four points behind them, you know, it can go with where they actually finish the season. It's 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 hard to say, but while they can still get into the European places, I think they should definitely, definitely be. Um, they should definitely be. Um, they should definitely be considered somebody that is 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 not in with a shout of winning the league this season. It's 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 out of their hands. Like they definitely have, have coughed this up. And we won't see Bayern Munich making a spectacular fall from grace. Um you know they they really just need to focus on staying ahead of Leipzig who could win their you know who could win the Bundesliga realistically. So I really want to see Borussia Dortmund improve. Um, and they'll need to really think about who they want to stay at the club, who they probably shouldn't keep at the club any longer. Um, you know, a man like Jaden Sancho was linked with Man United and he apparently was ready to go, but um, I can't remember what happened with that deal, but perhaps maybe it's time to think about um, maybe it's time to think about Letting a few people go and using that money to reinvest in some into some into some good or great players. Do you know what I mean? You know, you got to cut your losses and maybe just think about revamping the side. 
think about who it is that you want to actually build around. And maybe also think about having a tactical revamp because it looks like, for all intents and purposes, Dortmund have been found out. So let's see what happens. But this is definitely not, it's not a, it's not a good show from Dortmund this season. And I know Dortmund fans will be extremely disappointed with the way that they performed. And with that, uh, we're going to go pay some bills and we're going to be right back and we're going to talk about the Champions League. So stick with us. We'll be right back. The goddamn sauce. Nine different flavors. Same goddamn feeling. Share our passion for sauce and discover the full goddamn range at www.thegdsauce.com. Use discount code TheBanterPubFC to save 50% when you cop the sauce. Hashtag boss up. So, thank you for sticking with us. Uh, we're going to get right back into it. Still talking about... Uh, uh, we told y'all on Twitter... If you follow us on Twitter, that we were going to talk about the Champions League in this episode, and that's what we're going to do. Uh, there were uh, half of the draws occurred as of this recording, and uh, we've seen, uh, you know, I think, I, I don't know how the how the rest of the Banker Club feels, but I feel like this is a chapter closed on Messi and Ronaldo playing in European football. I think this chapter, I think that chapter is closed. I think it's a hard pill to swallow. I think a lot of people are going to uh, potentially, I think a lot of our listeners are going to be kind of you know, obviously disagree with me and think that you know both of the players have several legs left, but they were significantly dominated. Juventus uh, added uh, Ronaldo to, you know, Added Ronaldo to their side, and every and for the past three seasons, they've been bounced out. Uh, Messi hasn't seen a Champions League final in a considerable amount of time. Um, I, I'm sorry, a considerable amount of seasons. Uh, there were jokes that, based on Messi's performance in this game, despite scoring an amazing shot from outside of the box. Um, that he was wearing his Argentina kit under his Barcelona kit based on his form. Um, I didn't subscribe man, to that joke. The I man looked like, like the man looked like Mohammed El Neni. Well, I mean, damn. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, let's start with uh, Porto Juventus. Adam, I know you and I were watching this match back and forth. Um, you know, this was a, you know, I thought Porto was, you know, Porto were, was, you know, very early on was down to 10 men. Um, and I thought that everything was in Juventus's favor for them to dominate Porto. And Porto defensively showed up. They just a showed up. Absolutely. Like, it was one of the times, like, you appreciate, like, um, good color commentators because he made a very good point about their performance. He said, like, it, if you watch that match, it was the reason you watch sports. Like, Porto down to 10 men, playing in Turin, um, down 2-1, 
and pulling on an equalizer in well equalizer for that match in extra time. Um, still Juventus answered right back, but it basically pushed them to the limit. And I mean, everything cross after cross and the defense just held tight headers out. Like it was just incredible to watch. Like it was literally like riveting. I stopped working for like the last 30 minutes. Like I was like, no, I can't just have this on a screen. Like this is, this is just too intense. Like congrats to Porto. Wow. Juventus. Wow. Like really? Like, Truly fumbling the bag. Like, I, there's no other way to say it. Like, credit to Porto. They deserve every accolade. But, man, Juventus, like, that was, it was right there for you. Like, you had it all um, laid out and just couldn't finish it up. Like, the fact that the basically the goal that pushed Porto through went through Ronaldo's oh, legs what? in the wall. <laughs> oh, it, it, it's poetic. It's just, and I mean... Truly. If so, you're going to say, like, just as he pointed out, you know, as he started, like, this is really, it's it's definitely an interesting chapter. Like, if if we're really seeing the end, Ronaldo and Messi out in um, the round of 16, second year in a row for um, Ronaldo, too. Like, like bro, you're done. Like, um, there's not much left. So, um, it was really great. Congrats to Porto. Going to be very interesting to see who they draw. Um, next round because not an easy out. Like they're just they're just tough. Whoever Porto draws, listen. The, Porto could be the Ajax of two seasons ago, mm-hmm. and that's real rap. Like that. Like I, I mean, it would be nice to see um, how far Porto can go uh, in the Champions League. To tell you the truth. Um, it would be nice to see them win it without Jose Mourinho so we can stop talking about Jose Mourinho because nobody needs to talk about Jose Mourinho. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm, I'm, I'm frankly tired of them uh, mentioning... Uh, I'm, t- I'm tired of them mentioning Jose Mourinho, uh, particularly as it relates to... Because they said the last time... Obviously, the last time Porto... Uh, made it this far in the Champions League was, uh, you know, was Jose famously uh, doing the knee slide in Old Trafford um, when he had significantly more hair. Uh, and it's not a memory I want to relive from a, as a United supporter, but I am, ha- I am happy for Porto um, because, I mean, Juventus had nothing. They had nothing left. And, you know, uh, Ama John, do you have anything to add before we move on to the Barcelona draw? <laughs> yeah, I will say that, like, you know, these are, like, basically half of the second legs have been played so far. And we still have, like, you know, Atleti, Chelsea, Lazio, Bayern. Real Madrid, Atlanta, City, Mönchengladbach, you know, so we have stuff to watch before we move on. Um, I'll, I'll only say that, yeah, about Messi, Ronaldo, I think it's, you know, I, I didn't, I mean... I, I think I didn't really it didn't really click for me until uh, a few days ago, like well yesterday, 
Like, yeah, man, they, they've been dominating for a full decade plus. And it's interesting to see. Um, you never you never imagined how like the what the fall off would be. Like you like I didn't imagine that with Ronaldo, um, the real Ronaldo that is, not not this CR7 foolishness. And uh Ronaldinho the same way, like you never see them fall off in this way, and you can never predict it. But now you see it, like you see it right in front of your eyes, and it's kind of it's kind of wild to see. It's kind of wild to see. Um knowing that Messi might looks likely to leave. Ronaldo is probably going to come to the MLS at some point. It's, it's just really wild. It's really wild to see. Yeah, and, you know, speaking of uh, Barcelona, um, uh, you know, obviously they had their second leg against uh, PSG, which th- th- I, I got to say, y'all, P- P- PSG seemed to be playing with a significant chip on their shoulder. They seem, they They came so close to winning the Champions League final didn't you know and and didn't uh, score in the Champions League final against Bayern um last season and they this is a team that seems to be from a Euro, from a European standpoint they got rid of Thomas Tuchel and it seems like they have been firing on all cylinders as far as European play is concerned ever since um Mbappe is clicking Di Maria, ugh, it's clicking. Uh, Mar- Mar- Akari uh, uh, is clicking. He doesn't have his uh, uh, pen in uh, some other woman's ink, uh, which is good for him. <laughs> wow. Um, you know, uh, wow. uh, Ander Herrera, you know, uh, Ander Herrera is coming off the bench. Um uh, you know, you have uh, def- you know uh, defenders doing what they're supposed to be. You know, uh, it seems like you know they got rid of Thiago, and we have defenders like uh, Diallo um, and uh, you know Kurosawa, and a new manager uh, who is actually seems to be invested uh, in uh, PSG's growth, and in and in particular. Uh, the future of the club. Uh, I really think um, Pochettino is going. Could potentially take PSG to glory this year. Um, and you know, if they draw Porto, <laughs> they might run into some trouble. <laughs> Man, that's that's a matchup. That might be the dream matchup. I mean. And you went through that list of players, Neil. Like, let's remember um, another guy Everton has given up on, Keane, who's, like, been showing out for them, especially since Neymar has been out with his injury or, I don't know, visiting his sister or whatever he's doing. Um, To the point that the people that we just mentioned who who just got knocked out, Juventus, Juventus is like, actually, maybe we should bring back Keane. Like, everybody forgets, like, he does play for Italy. He did play at Juventus as a younger player. Like, like he's gotten back up. Like this guy could barely get minutes to Everton, and he's like in the Champions League quarterfinals with a good chance of making it to the actual final. So, um, it's it's just like Pochettino just has them all clicking, just running, like just doing great things. Like whoever they pulled, like I, I'd be other than PSG Porto, it's it'd be interesting to see a PSG Liverpool 
um, uh, as well in the next man, uh, next roundup. I don't want to see PSG City, Man, man City just yet. Um, like that to at least be a semifinal if it were to happen. But um, I mean, yeah, like right now, it's it's honestly, I think for Champions League, and I know we still have one more um, round of fixtures. I mean, one more half of the fixtures list to go. But I think it's it's City, Bayern, and PSG at this point as the serious contenders to take it all. Agreed. Agreed. John. I mean, I'll just say, yeah, with, to the Moisky point, <laughs> you know, a- anyone is better than um, Eric Maxim Chapamoting. So um, I think. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Wow. <laughs> saying, wow. Th- if you had to pull him off the bench for your chance to get it to, to win the Champions League final, then yeah, yeah you struggling. So they, they, they got a better chance than anyone right now. It's that Bayern you're lacking. I mean, yeah. I mean, the the, the other major fixtures, obviously. Uh, Joseph, did you have, did you have anything to add about uh, PSG doing what they did before we before we moved on? I mean, I think it's a glorious achievement, you know, to beat Barcelona five two in aggregate. Um, that's a convincing win. I don't think anybody really can make any excuses for Barcelona. They just simply did not perform. Um, you know what I mean? Like, uh, shout out to Kylian Mbappe, who has, um, I think, more than proven he's he's ready to go ahead and take the mantle over from uh, from Lionel Messi in terms of uh, best strikers in the world and things of that nature. There's just no real excuses that you can make for Barcelona. Um, they did not perform on the on the grander stage of them all. Um, well, I mean, it's not WrestleMania, but uh, like you know, when you, when you when you when you don't perform in the Champions League and your side that's expected to, questions are going to be asked. Over, and I would agree that this should signal the end of an era, uh, not just for um, Barcelona, but also for. Um, you know, for Lionel Messi, I mean, but also for 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 uh, Ray Naldo, because at the end of the day, you know, you tried to win the Champions League with uh, you know a bunch of old men, and it didn't turn out well for you. Um, the last Champions League final that you went to, you got absolutely waxed by Real Madrid. Um, it's it's you need to have a rethink. You need to go away and and you need to have a rethink about how you really want to attack this thing. Because the way that you tried to do it, it did not work. The experiment failed. You just, you, you just need to, you know, uh, take the L, uh, as they say. Um, but PSG deserves absolutely full credit. If they make a second final in a row, then they really and truly cannot be any negative commentary against PSG because they've done the thing, you know. But it's still very much early doors as far as the Champions League is concerned. Um. And that's really what it is. I mean, that's pretty much... I mean, the, the only other uh, draws that finished were uh, Dortmund turned over uh, Sevilla in surprising fashion, uh, and uh, Liverpool uh, dispatched RB Leipzig relatively easily. Um, it wasn't necessarily a foregone conclusion that because Sevilla has, you know, obviously... Uh, in recent seasons, uh, Europa League has tended to be their uh, 
European Cup of Choice to win. <laughs> um, and everybody, I think everybody thought they were going to be the surprise. Uh, and they drew Dortmund, and uh, Dortmund did what they had to do. They seem to, Dortmund seems to be doing what they have to do when it comes to uh, Europe, but then when it comes to uh, domestic play, they're just not doing it at all. Um, you know, um, Liverpool uh, did what they had to do against Leipzig. Obviously, you know, the, the season is uh, not, going to be, not in the picture for them in the Prem, so they're fully focused on uh, winning, the champ- you know, uh, winning the Champions League. And they did what they had to do against RB Leipzig. We'll see who they draw, in, you know, once the second half of these, the rest of these matches finish. Um, and we're, we're obviously going to circle back with, you know, with that draw and give you some, uh, you know, probably do a set piece about uh, that draw more than likely. But um, Ama, did you have anything else before we yeah. uh, take a break? Yeah, I was going to say, I hope Liverpool gets a difficult draw. I don't think it Porto. <laughs> the next go around because because like this Leipzig thing was not supposed to be this easy, right? Like, yeah, yeah. I, I I was really really disappointed. The same thing with Dortmund. Like, uh, they you know Sevilla they did the business at Sevilla, but like the two two tie at Dortmund, ah, that's not good enough. That should not be good enough. Um, if you're if you're a big you know big club trying to make this thing happen, so. Yeah, I, I wanted to see more dominant performances, and I did not see that um, across the board. It was like, you know, Liverpool had the best. Liverpool and PSG, I guess, kind of had the best uh, performance in this this part of the, the draw. We'll wait till uh, next week's matches to see how the rest of the things play out, and uh, and I hope we get some some more some tighter uh, results so that we can um, salivate at the prospect of really fantastic teams matching up against other fantastic teams in the next round of the Champions League. Indeed. And speaking of salivating, someone who has been salivating on racism is Arrigo Sachi. Uh, Saki, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, uh, with his, uh, I guess it was two and a half weeks ago, um, he made a statement that there are, uh, I, he start, he, he prefaced his statement with, I am not racist for those of you who are listeners who are trying to do better when it comes to having conversations about race, do not start off your sentences that way. Yeah. You're, you're racist. That's it. So. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, yeah. And, and, you know, so he said, he said something to the effect that, you know, the Italian national team should have real Italians. We shouldn't have all these random people meshed in with the Italians. And by random, and, he means black. Let's just and, call it. Yeah. And, and, and to be fair to Arrigo Saki, he's been saying this. Like, this is his thing. Back when he was uh, AC Milan, co- uh, when he was coach of AC Milan, when he was manager of the national team, he preferred, you know, an all true Italian quote unquote um, squad. He believed you are Italian. Yeah, he was very much that guy. This is on par with his brand. 
Um, the thing that's painful for me to admit is that, you know, while he coached the AC Milan team uh, of no to, you know, his Maldini, blah, 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 you know, he was the same guy, right? He had the same ethos. I was not aware, but that was his ethos. You know what I'm saying? And like, so while you were a kid in the 90s admiring the squad and what they were able to de uh, develop on the field, like, you he's been that guy since then so, you know 20 years ago he would have told you the same damn thing um and and uh, <clears throat> i'll say one last thing about Arigo Saki is that he's been influential he's somebody who observed kind of like Cruyff and the Dutch national team and and the total football and he he made that a real thing in his club teams where <clears throat> where he def you know expected to to you know hold a, a high line a relatively high line and keep the the gaps between the lines relatively small and and play a a, a tight game where possession mattered um so like he's an adherent to that style of football that's more attacking in nature and so i admired him for that um, this position on, you know, quote unquote, true Italians, real Italians, blah, 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 you know, only serves to diminish his legacy in my view. And I, I'm severely disappointed to hear that quote, but I realized in retrospect that he's, that's the guy he's been the whole, whole Yeah, I mean, Ama, you're exactly right. Um, like, as someone who also, watched him play um i am significantly uh and severely uh obviously because this is a consistent statement by him uh it's just obviously as an inter fan and an inter and 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 an avid inter supporter seeing uh an ac milan manager of a certain stature when AC Milan was one of the best clubs in the world. Um, make, this, make this statement consistently. Uh, while Inter was allowing talent to come from all over the world and Inter as a club at that particular time looked, you know, looked like the rest of the world. Whereas AC Milan didn't. Um, and you know, <laughs> I hate to laugh about it, but if he doesn't want black Italians to play in the youth team, if he doesn't want black Italians to be um, to play for glory, guess what? Um, they're here to stay. Um, and if they want to have dual citizenship, sure. If you, if you want to have an all purebred Italian, you know, uh, nationalistic um, team and club going forward for all the Euros, that's fine. Because all of because at the end of the day, if you, if, if you actually want that, and if the Italian FA co-signs you, then all of the black Italian players that have dual citizenship and have and can play in other countries, as we've said in several episodes in the past, should divest. Period. Point blank. Um, 
you know. Yeah. Um, I mean, so so here's the thing. I, I remember this was the guy. So he, when he was a coach of Milan, he had um, Rijkaard, Van Basten, and, and Ruth Hulid. Right? You know what I'm saying? Like, so he, and, and he had Baresi and Maldini. He was like, he, he had a stacked squad. He and, really did. And his, and his style of play, like, persisted and, and, and won championships, won Euros. It was amazing. Uh, and I, I feel like, you know, whatever his reputation is, like, he's one of those guys who has a tree. The way we talked about um, uh, the guy at, at Leeds um, give, giving birth to all these other guys, he he also birthed a bunch of other coaches who believe in his philosophy. I think so. Him signing those those um, Dutch players showed his belief in that. I believe. I think this is my you know my editorial piece. He believed in the Dutch total football style, keep small gaps, small distances between the lines, play compact, and um, win the ball back high up the field. Like it was a, a style of play that folks were not ready for in the late 80s, early 90s. And, and he, he was able to deliver results with that. Um, so I'm very disappointed that he believed. So, especially when you look at it, like he had all these Dutch players. But he, he's one of those guys who believes, like, yeah, you got to speak Italian. You got to have the Italian people, blah, 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 real Italian. And it's like, that that's really, you know, small-minded and not the kind of vibe that we rock with on the Banter Pub. And so, you know, so so it, for me, it's like a fuck a Rigo Sachi in 2021, whatever you accomplished in the past, because that's not how we roll in in the modern world. John? Yeah, I, I think that's a good point, Ahmed, because I think even though he had all these great um, black players, you know, he didn't have to worry about <laughs> seeing them on national side because they play for another country. So he didn't have to care about it, which is still, it's a fucked up reality. So yeah, uh, fuck him. Fuck racism in, in general. And, you know, I have to go to Italy next year for a destination wedding. So I hope nobody tries me because I, I don't mind fucking somebody up over some racist shit. So just want to say that. You can try Jesus, but you can't try these hands. Uh, Joseph? I think Arrigo Sachi is a relic. I think also Arrigo Sachi is irrelevant, quite frankly. Um, there is something to be said for white people that obviously want to try and make out that anybody being black is foreign. Like we're not going to, I mentioned at the top of the, uh, at the, of the episode, there is such a thing as a black Italian. Um, and you know, the same kind of levels that you would throw at people, um, you know, the same kind of levels that you would throw at people, you know, saying that, you know, just because they were born of uh, parents who immigrated to a certain place, um, you know, uh, the same kind of stuff that you would say about, um, you know, talking about the validity of whether or not they're Italian or not. Gentlemen, we're just talking about nationalist sentiment. That's really what it is. Okay. Um, 
and I'm not going to pronounce his name correctly because fuck him. You know, I, it, it, respect is given, not earned. And as far as I'm concerned, if you come out with these kind of baffling, contradictory, and just flat out anti-black thoughts, then why the hell should I respect your name? I don't give a shit about you. I don't give a shit about you said, but I don't give a shit about you. And as far as I'm concerned, every single one of those players in the youth team deserve to be there. They were selected on merit, not because of where they're from necessarily, because that's the foregone conclusion. If they're playing for the Italian, uh, the Italian football side, then you know what it is. But if you're happy to go ahead and you know repatriate them to wherever it is you think they're from or wherever their heritage is from, then by all means, it's fine. You'll be feeling the hurt because you don't have any players as good as them. Oh. So if you really want to just go ahead and do the whole national identity thing, then please just be honest and just call yourself what you are. You are a nationalist. Yeah? You are a nationalist through and through. And if that is the case, then you also have to answer for your anti-blackness. And if you don't want to do that, then we can't have the conversation and you should just shut the fuck up because you're not being honest. Like what Sachi said was just absolutely baffling. It was bemusing in the extreme. And for me, I just don't see any reason why Sachi's comments should be taken this seriously. When realistically are Italy even going to be in a fighting chance of winning a European championship, never mind a World Cup. So it's just like if you're that if you're that pressed about how many black Italian players that you have playing for your youth teams, then I don't know what is to, I don't know what it is to, uh, that that I can say, and I don't know what it is I can tell you, as far yes. as I'm concerned. That's exactly it. I w- that's what I was thinking too, uh, Joseph. In terms of just like international competition, I think it starts with Germany in 2014. Um, France follows up in 2018. I don't think you're gonna win a World Cup if you're not relying on like both of those teams have. I mean, obviously France was basically like pretty pretty damn black. Um, and then Germany had significant contributions from their black players. They depend on them coming up. I mean, but. Saki's comments are just unfortunately still prevalent in not just Italy. It's every I mean, the people in England who decry the rise of um black players in their on their team. It happens here in the US. Vaunted women's national team member, uh Abby Wambach a couple years ago got in trouble because she was like, Oh, we rely too much on dual nationals who happen to be heavily black and brown, um, who actually are the future of the US spot as well. So it's something you see everywhere. I mean Honestly, there's no way that you go forward, I think, at this point, if you don't embrace the best of the talent that you have available to you. And in each of these countries, because you guys all capitalized on immigration at some point, um, now you have black people in your countries and now you um, support black players through youth leagues. Like, they're just going to be there, except the fact that they're better than the players you want to get time with. And maybe you might win something. But if you keep refusing it, like, you can stay in the doldrums. Your pure Italian team is never going to make it out of a group stage of the World Cup. That'll be cool. We'll uh, enjoy watching it happen. And with that, thank you for listening to another episode of the Banter Pub FC. We're still the sauciest team in the game still have the sauciest takes on the pitch follow us on all of our social socials at the banter pub fc twitter instagram tiktok follow us like our content uh, on all of your podcasting platforms 
If you're on Apple, make sure you've rated and subscribed to our podcast. If you're on Spotify, make sure that you are uh, not only downloading the podcast, but make sure you are actively rating the podcast and you're subscribed. On Google, make sure you are actively subscribed. And on every other platform, keep those subscriptions coming. Keep those downloads coming. Keep listening to the full episode. We thank you for listening and we will see you next week.